Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, we're going to open up our words together. And this evening, we're going to be going to the book of 2 Samuel in just a little bit. We may stop another place or two, or, or I'm, I may quote another scripture or two, but we'll be going to 2 Samuel. Uh, and from 2 Samuel, we're going to be enjoying an account that God gives us out of 2 Samuel together. Uh, but uh, tonight, the message, again, I had several titles, working titles for it, but I just settled on grace, just to make it simple. Grace. Do you know what? grace is grace is the unmerited the undeserved unearned you can't buy it you can't work for it in fact if you deserve it it's not grace isn't that interesting if you deserve it or if God owes it to you the Bible says then it's wages it's something he would owe you as opposed to something that he is giving you because he is good by the way God's grace is not given to us because we are good God's grace is given to us because he is good Okay, And grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved ability, favor, goodness of God in our lives. That God favors us and God gives us abilities that we did not work for, we did not earn. God you know, makes us, uh, he, he, he interacts with us and he makes us more able than we would ever be on our own. You could not study enough. You could not hear enough, you know, good proverbs. You could not, you know, be coached enough to be as able as God can make you with just a touch of his grace, just a touch of God's grace. And you know what he's done? He's poured his grace out on us. So that without respect to whether we're in a good day or a bad day, without respect to whether we have just succeeded, you know, just knocked the home run, or if we just struck out, the grace of God is still there for us. If you hit the home run, then the grace of God is there to help you to not fall into pride. Hello? How many of you need a little God's grace to keep that from happening from time to time? Sure. You know? I mean, I... I held a home run record at one point in a, in, when I lived in Europe and, uh, with slow-pitch softball. And, you know, uh, you know uh, I don't know if I've ever told this or not, but uh, Brenda, uh, you know, they would, uh, Brenda's sitting there, she was there. They would, you know, when I'd come up to bat, the whole stands would stand up and start, you know, doing together, making this little chant and this little song. Huh? Rocky song. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I don't know why and how, but somehow there was this amazing thing that I could do, and I could knock the ball out of the park. And it was expected so much. I mean, it was, uh, 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 but, you know, as I was trotting around those bases, you know, I wasn't filled with the grace of God. <laughs> I was filled with the pride of Ron. You know, and when they'd, said, uh, when, they, when they'd say, oh, man, you can really hear it, I'd say, yeah, I can, can I? You know, well, when you knock it out of the park, you need the grace of God in order to 
not be lifted up in pride and fall in the condemnation of the devil. And when you strike out, you need the grace of God to not feel like it's over and just quit for the rest of the game. You know? Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about grace. Because there are people tonight, you know, here on campus and and watching online, and we'll hear this podcast, you know, for, for uh, you know, decades to come. And they're going to be most likely in one of three camps. Either in the camp of, man, I just got what I wanted. Or they're going to be in the camp of, man, I am so disappointed. Or they're going to be where the majority of the people is, I really don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. Uh, and all three of those camps really do need the grace of God in life. Well, without respect tonight as to how we may feel or what we may experience in life, whether it is a good day or a bad day for you individually, then uh, believe me when I tell you that no matter how good it is, no matter how difficult it is, and no matter how much, you know, you're neither for nor against apathy, okay, whichever place you may be in, uh, your greatest day is yet ahead, okay? Your greatest day is yet ahead. That's because of the grace of God. That's because of the unmerited favor and ability of God that God gives us in times whenever we need it. You know, we may not even realize we need it, but God's grace is, is such a powerful uh, thing. In fact, this is the everlasting, the, the, the overriding, never failing, abundant word and promise of Almighty God. Uh, this, is, this is the truth that God has given to his children. In fact, in John chapter 16, Jesus told his disciples, these things I have spoken to you, verse 33, that in me you might have peace. You know, and the only way we can have peace with God is whenever we are walking in his will, in his favor, in his abilities, not in our own. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. And by the way, tribulation does not always come because you've done something bad. Tribulation and testings and trials can come to you whenever you're on top of the world. There are mountaintop tests and there are valley tests. There's a test of waiting and there's a test of it's over. Those four major tests in life, everyone goes through. On the mountain and top sometimes you know uh, you, you you just don't you know don't uh, sometimes when you have more than enough you can forget God that's what God said to the children of Israel beware of that mountaintop test beware of that valley test sometimes in the valley you can feel like God's forsaken you you know tribulation comes in tests and trials in all types of uniforms and, you know, there's a test of waiting. Sometimes we just have to wait on God. And sometimes things are over. And for every one of those things, there will be a test. In fact, wherever you are in life and whatever's going on in your world today or tomorrow, believe me, you know, whenever you, you, you leave the place where you are, most likely you are going to be on your way to a test, whether it's a test that is connected to success or disappointment. Uh, Jesus is the one constant in our lives uh, in, in whom we find this peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because he overcame the world, you know? You know, and it's in him that we find victory over our test of life. The Bible tells us that both victories and defeat fall subject to the name of Jesus. 
He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's the one in whom we put our trust. And believe me when I tell you that all other ground is sinking sand. Okay, all other ground is sinking sand. We give our victories to Christ and we, we also give him our defeats. And we also give him our hopes. And hopefully we even give him the times whenever we really uh, don't even feel like getting up and going outside because everything's okay. And we just, uh, you know, find no reason to really be engaged. Jesus is that name above every name and all other ground is sinking sand. Uh, we are given accounts throughout the scriptures of these different groups of people and these different tests that they went through. And these scriptures encourage us to stay on track and to stay focused. What are we focused on? Hopefully we're focused on God's purposes and not just our purposes. In fact, you know, uh, uh, God has a real purpose. And do you know that, that, that God's purpose, by the way, let me just throw this in there. God's purpose is not to save the world as we know the world in its system. God is not intent on saving the world system he's not intent on saving the world but he's intent on saving people out of this world that's his purpose his purpose is to interact with men and women boys and girls in such a way that he becomes more real than their present circumstances or situations more real to them than their victories or disappointments more real to them than anything else that's going on in life and his purpose is is what he's hoping will prevail in our life you know the good the bad the rich the poor you know uh, without respect to to where we are in life God's hope is to shine his light upon us this world by the way will wax worse and worse. You know, that's not a promise from God. That's a bit of knowledge from God. It's not something that God intended. It's not something that God wanted. It's not something that God's working for. It's not something that God's proud of. And it's not something that we can wear as some badge of pride that somehow, you know, we are better. This is what we were saved out of, okay? But we cannot forget that we were as much a part of that world at one point as anyone is today. And if God had not reached beyond that barrier and pulled us out, then, then we would still be circling in that world. But thanks to God, he has a purpose. And, and this world, as I said, will wax worse and worse until the cup is filled. We talked about that recently on a Sunday morning. And at that point, of course, God will bring judgment, as Jude says. And, you know, but it's something that he does with a tear in his eye. It's not something he does with great joy. And any time that you ever hear someone preach on the subject of judgment or hell, hopefully you will see them doing it with, with as I said, a tear in their eye and not a smile on their face. Well, uh, I thank God that he is ever merciful. But the Bible says he reigns on the just and the unjust. What does that mean? Well, rain is a blessing in the Word of God. God blesses the just and the unjust. Isn't that great? That's how wonderful He is. God's doing everything He can to shine the light of life in people's world. And without respect to whether, uh, you know, whether you live in the United States, uh, you know, here in Southeast Texas, somewhere else, East Coast, West Coast, or uh, you know, uh, some other part of the world, you know? Uh, in, in a country that may not enjoy the liberties and the freedoms that, that many may enjoy in other countries. You know, God is still right there with you. He has a plan for your life. He wants to not only reach to you, but he wants to reach through you so that he can reach others and save them from this world. God is not without knowledge concerning the events that are unfolding in our lives. 
God is not, you know, uh, uh, slack concerning his promises. He's not turning a deaf ear or a blind eye to the sins that abound in the earth today. In fact, this is the reason God sent his son into the world. Why? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's very plain. The apostle Paul wrote to us that the grace of God is more abundant, okay? The grace of God is more abundant than the sins of men. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, the more that sin abounds, the more grace abounds. Now, th th that just blows my mind when I think about it. That the more, the, the, the more evil or wicked or the more sinful that, 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 that I would become, God would give me more access to more grace so that I could get myself out of that place. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, the more sinful or wicked that a generation or a nation or a people or a group or an individual, the more sinful or wicked or evil that someone, you know, the more sin that you commit, you have more grace. God's going to give you more grace. He's going to give you more grace. He'll put more grace on you. He can pull you out of any ditch. He can pull you out of any hole. There is no hole so deep that God is not deeper still, that his grace is not able to cover you. You cannot out the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Now the Apostle Paul went on to read, you need to read the rest of that. Should we sin therefore so that grace might abound? The answer to that is no. Okay. That's not what the grace is for. The grace of God is to help you out of a hole, not keep you in the hole. It's not to feed you in the hole. It's to get you out of the problem. It's not, you know, to, to, to make you happy in the problem. Okay? That's what psychiatrists are for. Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm not talking about you. I was talking about that, that person that's your competition. That's what I was talking about. I tell people when they come counseling for me, listen, if, you'd, if you're just trying to feel better about the way you are, you need to go somewhere else. Because, <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's not my goal. My goal is to be kind and loving and, and yet, you know, honest and truthful because the grace of God is sufficient for this need. Okay? God will not be distracted from his purpose. God will not be detoured from his purpose to save the souls of men. And neither should we. Without respect to what situation we find ourselves in, whether we've just, you know, hit the home run or we've just struck out, yet we still need the grace of God and we must also look to the purpose. How could this moment, how could this situation, how could this circumstance redound to the glory of God? What can I do? Because God's going to give me grace in my moment to, to face my trial, to face my test, to face my temptation and to prevail. That's what the grace of God is there for. Now, let me tell you, uh, let me be the first to, 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 to tell you, I've recognized that this is, this is one crazy messed up world that we are in, if you've not noticed, okay? If you've not been looking. And uh, I am just so glad this is not my home. Aren't you guys? <laughs> Whoo! Come on now. You don't have to have walked very far in this life to realize that this, uh, I hope it gets better than this, you know? I wouldn't want to be stuck here. Uh, wouldn't it be horrible to have, you know, to be immortal here? <laughs> Whoa, to have lived through all of that and then all that's to come? No, thank you. You know, uh, 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 I am, I'm so glad that, that, that not only have, have I personally and you personally uh, and you been invited to participate in God's plan, 
but you've also been equipped. God is working on you to equip you to participate in his plan. And his plan is to save those souls uh, who are trapped in this lost world, who are trapped in, in uh, you know, uh, their own, you know, uh, uh, form of salvation. Whether or not they are born again or whether they are lost and on their way to hell, many people are trapped in a place that God wants them out of, whether it is a prideful place or whether it is a, you know, a disappointed place, a place of despair and worry and depression and fear and anxiety and hurt and turmoil and a, 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 a place of abuse. You know, people are trapped. A lot of people are trapped in situations that, 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 that they need to be rescued from. And we have been equipped to help people and to rescue them and to save them from the place wherein they have been trapped. Whether it's by the devil or by some ideology or by some hurt or some pain or some other individual or, 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 or some government or some situation, some financial concern. Wherever they have been trapped and wherever they feel like this, you know, you know the, the grace of God can come to them and we are those who have been sent and equipped to rescue them. Our hope for our family, for our friends, for those that you know, need a way out is that they might see a light in us. This is God's hope. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, that's God's hope. You know what God has done? God has bet the farm on you. He's bet the family on you. Isn't that crazy? You're the best he has in this generation. In fact, you may be the only witness that he has in a situation, a circumstance, in a, in a workplace or a schoolroom, in, a, in, 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 in some scenario. You may be the only link. You may be the only hope of light and life and love in that situation. And for that, we must take that seriously. That does not mean that, 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 that we might not still have to make some tough decisions or we, we, we might not still have to, have to find a way in the, the, the grace of God, whether it's the grace of God to stay in a situation or the grace of God to get out of a situation. You know, all of that is the grace of God on our lives. And what we need to do is fulfill his purpose because he sees much farther down the road than we do. And he understands the greater implications and, 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 and greater rippling effects of the decisions that we make make and the way that we portray but one of the things we must nonetheless do is realize that God does have a plan he does have a purpose and when we find his plan and find his purpose and attach ourselves to it and prayerfully seek his will he said that we will find him and when we find him we can follow him I know some of you tonight are greatly disappointed in the way our elections turned out and I know others of you are so excited that it went your way. You know, both of these groups of people need God's grace. Both of these groups need to be a light shining in this world. Because this world in and of itself is a dark place. We can ill afford to let the enemies of our souls bring us to a point of clash. Whenever God's purpose and God's plan is much more far-reaching than what we 
can predict, evidently, accurately. I know that, that the grace of God is sufficient. And tonight I'm going to ask you, wherever you are in life, because of the grace of God, His goodness, and because you are the hope of God, it is Christ in you. I'm going to ask you to refocus for a moment with me. To just, you know, not be the champion of your own personal convictions for just a moment. And to open up your heart and to realize that God is greater than our opinions. And for a moment, let's refocus on a future uh, and realize that God has a plan and we have a part to play in that plan. Amen? All right. You know, we don't want to get distracted either. And uh, this is no time for us to forget God's purpose in everything. He has a purpose. Uh, this evening, uh, I've, I've, I've chosen an event in the life of David to help us focus our attention and refocus our attention on greater truths and hopefully uh, give us uh, uh, um, direction uh, and, and uh, whether we are feeling disappointed or justified. Let's refocus for just a moment. Uh, I'm so glad that you have taken a first step. Those of you here and those of you uh, watching and those listening, I'm so glad you've taken a first step because you have come to the Word of God. You've come to the preaching of God's Word. That's a good first step. Now let's open up our hearts and invite the Word of God into our life simply because His grace is sufficient. Our nation needs us. Our families need us. The future needs us. And let's allow God to speak to us because his grace is sufficient. This may not be a word necessarily that, that, that you know, uh, you, you uh, really want to hear, but it may be a word you need to hear. Well, tonight's story uh, begins in 2 Samuel. It's a very familiar story to a lot of people, and uh, uh, we're going to read from the 11th chapter in just a moment. And as you're finding the 11th chapter, uh, let me catch you up on where we are at this point once we get to the verses we're going to read. Uh, King David has been very successful in his life, okay? Very, very, very successful. And there comes a year when King David decides that instead of going to war, he's going to stay home because, you know, his men don't want him to go out and run the danger of being killed because it would cost the kingdom, and so he stays at home. Well, you know, all that is, you know, great and everything and, 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 and with good ideas and good reasons, but it leaves him with a lot of idle time on his hands. And so King David ends up with some idle times on his hands and he goes on to his rooftop and he looks over at the neighboring rooftop and on the neighboring rooftop, there is a woman who is married to one of his commanders. Her name is Bathsheba and the commander's name is Uriah. He was a Hittite and he was off at war and there she was taking a bath on her roof. Well, he was very impressed. So, uh, you know, he sent and invited her to his house, and, and then it ended up uh, that, that uh, they committed adultery, and she got pregnant. Uh, uh, and so, you know, first David tried to hide this affair by bringing the husband home from battle and hoping he would sleep with uh, his wife and, and, you know, claim that, the, you know, that they could claim that the child was his. But, you know, Uriah was more honorable and had much more integrity than that. And he wouldn't even, you know, he, he came home, but he wouldn't even sleep with his wife, wouldn't go in and, 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 and into his house and eat. He, 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 he said, I can't do this while my uh, comrades and my brothers are, are, are you, know, uh, 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 you know, still in the field fighting. 
hiding. And he slept on the steps of the king's palace. And so the king said, this isn't going to work. You know, sometimes your best strategies and your best, you know, ideas, you know, just don't work. No matter how smart you are, no matter how rich you are. Sometimes they just don't work. Well, uh, the, the plot didn't work because of his integrity. And so uh, David sent Uriah back to battle with a letter to his commander saying to his commander, by the order of King David, send Uriah into the heat of the battle and then withdraw and abandon him and hopefully he'll be killed. And sure enough, he was. So after he was killed, David sent and got Bathsheba, brought her to his house and married her. She became his wife. Well, uh, you know, uh, chapter 11 begins with Nathan, the prophet. The prophet of God in that day went to King David and told King David a story about, uh, you know, two men, one rich man, one poor man. The poor man had one sheep and the rich man had a lot of sheep. And the rich man, you know, took the one sheep from the poor man. And then the poor man loved the sheep and, and the rich man had all the sheep that he needed. But he took it and then killed him. David said, where is that man? I'm going to go and kill him myself. He is not, you know, I'm paraphrasing I'm gonna you know whoa where is this this is and Nathan said you are this man whoo King David's heart smote him one of the great things about King David in his successes or in his failures uh, God could touch him and when God touched him his heart smote him and he repented and when he repented God forgave him. In fact, David wrote a psalm about that, Psalm 51. You can read it, and it's very enlightening reading it within that light. And the prophet Nathan told David that, you know, uh, that, that, you know, listen, you've been a great disappointment to God. Wow, how would you like to hear that? You've been a great disappointment to God, and not to God, but the whole nation. That's what he said. Everybody, even our enemies, have a reason to blaspheme. You know, this didn't happen in secret. God has forgiven you, David, but, and he's removed sin from you, but let's pick up and read in 2 Samuel 11, verse 14. However, the prophet Nathan said, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. Verse 16, David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of David's house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to David. And he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Verse 20. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this that you have done? 
You fasted and wept while the child, uh, while he was alive. You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And David said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David was a man who knew success and who knew failure. David was a man who knew great days and he also knew disappointing days. In fact, in this one story, there are days when David got exactly what he wanted, worked hard for it, you know, and got what he wanted. Namely Bathsheba. He got what he wanted. Uriah's death. He got what he wanted. Made her his wife. And then there are days when he was disappointed. In that he prayed and cried out to God. And that he, he, he laid on the ground for seven days. And that he, that, that he you know, fasted and he, and, and, and he pleaded with God. And yet he was disappointed. In God's answer. David was a man who knew success. He knew strategic appropriation. And yet he also knew failure. David. In his moment of despair. Having succeeded and having failed. Realized that he was nothing and he could do nothing and all that he did was nothing without God. He said in Psalms 51, against you and you only have I sinned. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You're right to judge me. I've disappointed you. I disappointed you in my successes. And I disappointed you in my failures. The servants did not understand, seeing that David was devastated when the child was sick. They did not understand how he could just get up. How in the world could he recover himself? How does a person get back from that place? This is where the servants underestimated David. They underestimated his relationship with God. And they underestimated the grace of Almighty God. The unmerited, undeserved, unearned abilities that God gives someone when they seek him in their moment. Unlike others, David trusted God. David did not want his son to die. Certainly David knew that God could intervene. Uh, truly David made his honest petitions to God. And David bore his heart and soul as he pleaded and fasted and laid on the ground before God. And then God answered. And when God answered, David accepted God's answer. 
God gave David the grace to accept his answer. And that's often what we need, especially in moments of despair, of devastation. We need grace. We need the ability to outperform ourselves. Whether we hit the home run, in reality, I, you know, I did not have it within myself to not be lifted up and puffed up with my achievements. But nor do I have it within myself to lift myself up from my failures and to present myself to God. Yes, God, I accept your answer, your way, your purpose. David got up, he washed his face, he, he cleaned himself up, he changed his clothes, and he went to church. I love that. He went to church. Hear that? He went to church, and he worshiped God. That was the first, that, that, he did that before he ate. And then he went home and had a good lunch. Then he looked forward to the future that he believed would come to pass because he trusted God. God gave him the grace to see even see beyond the grave. To see something that was unimaginable. You know, to have hope in something that, that, that only the grace of God could help him to believe because there was no other way. It was just over for David and his hope for the moment. But it was not over for him. Because of the grace of God. Unfortunately, some, some of you have experienced similar things. And without the grace of God, you would not be in the house of God today. Let me tell you, God's grace is sufficient. And he makes us, by his grace, a light shining to others who have no hope, who do not know him like we know him, who do not trust him like we trust him. We become hope for them. We are the hope of God. We are the answers to other people's questions, things they cannot see and imagine. David knew that one day he would receive his desire. It was just not today. In answer to the servant's questions, David said, Why should I fast? I can't change this. You know, but I have a future. Well, you know, God's good to us. Amen. God's so good to us. He delivers us from our successes and from our failures. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Come on now. God will deliver us from our successes and from our disappointments. That's how good he is. Because both success and disappointment fall prey to the scrutiny of God's purpose and will. Not only for our lives, but for his plan. Here's my big takeaway from this evening. Is that some things don't work out like we hoped whether they're successes or failures. Some things don't work out like we hoped. Still, our greatest day is yet ahead. 
because of the grace of God. Because of God's grace. He's included you in his grace. You have access to his grace. His grace is sufficient. I want to challenge each one of you to just take a moment and ask the Lord what he might need from you instead of telling him what you need from him. Ask him what he might need from you in this moment. Whether you're rolling in success or sitting in despair, his grace is sufficient and he needs you. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.